Jake's traveled around the world, um, had some pretty good jobs, done some pretty amazing things, started a business, um, furthered some other businesses, and uh, led a pretty dynamic life and walked the word at every one of those locations. And uh, so I'd just like to uh, just say, Jake, come on up and appreciate you. Thank you. Give it a minute here. He's going to adjust the mic. We had a little problem with that earlier. So before we get into God's Word, I just want to start off. Again, my name is Jake Mount. I grew up in this church body. I was raised in this church body. And I was sent from this church body. Now, what I saw being sent is much different than what I thought it was going to be. Because when I was growing up, that little pew in the back there, that's where I wanted to hang out as far back and as closest to the door as I could get. And God knew that I was going to move from the back of the church to someday be standing up front to preach God's Word because He had a plan. He has a plan for me and He has a plan for each one of you as a follower and believer of Jesus Christ. So I just want to say thank you. I'm glad that Marlon and I were able to swap today. And they are at, he's at North Star Hibbing. And I'm here with all of you. And just remember that I am over in Hibbing at North Star, but I'm an extension of E-Free Church. You know, it's not a denomination. Our North Star is non-denominational, but I am an extension of this church body. Um, I just want to show hands. I know we don't like raising hands around here, maybe, but raise your hands if you know who I am or have met me before. Okay, so look around and see the difference in how God has grown and moved this church body. Because if you were here when I was here, you would remember because, I don't know if I'd say I'm unforgettable, but I'm kind of crazy. But now I move from just being crazy to being crazy when you're around me. If you've been to Bible camp with me, you've been counseling, there's a few of you here that have been there. So that man is crazy. But you know what? He loves Jesus. And that's why we come together today. We've heard it in the songs that we sing up in Sunday school We're here to praise our God, our King, our Lord. And before we get in the message, I just want to get down on your level, because at North Star Church, we have to set up and tear down the gym so there's no platform. Even though you don't know who I am, because God loves me, I love you. I love every one of you. You say, well, how can that be? You don't even know me. Because God loves me so much, and He loves you, that He has shown me His love so that I can pour it out those around me. Now I get the privilege to speak God's Word today, but every one of you gets to speak God's Word every day if you choose of the hope that you have in you because of Jesus Christ and what He has done. And I just want to challenge us today that as we sing about, as we sometimes talk about, you're not here for you. The service is not about you. The service is not about me. The service is about glorifying our King, Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm glad we're in agreement there. And i got to share something else with you. So I didn't actually write notes today. And that may, not, may, 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 may seem weird for some of you. It may not, depending on how you're designed. But most days I come prepared with it written out. So just in case I lose my spot or make sure I hit all the notes, make sure I have the words weaved through correctly so it can be received in the way I intended it. The Lord led me today to not take notes. He led me to write down some scriptures and a couple words. That doesn't mean I'm not prepared. 
And the reason I share that isn't to put the focus on me, it's to put the focus on Jesus Christ because if he is leading it and we follow, he will follow through to pour himself out, right? And the first time that the Lord led me to this, this isn't comfortable. I would rather have all my notes and have my screen and just go one, two, three, four. But a, a few months into taking over as lead pastor or pastor at North Star Church a couple years ago, Chris, or, uh, excuse me, Easter service, the Lord led me to, I don't want you to write anything down. I want you to just show up and I want you to admit to the whole congregation that you don't have a sermon. There was some of that and there were some others like, whoa, who did we put in this position? But it was a, another time to say, it's not about me, it's about God, it's about our body, because when we are walking as one, when we are unified under the Lord Jesus Christ and the Great Commandment and Great Commission, we all have a part to play. We just learned it in Sunday school today and, and continuing on. I will. I will statements. It's not about me. It's about the body. And when we have an opportunity to serve, to speak, yeah, I was a little scared. I was a little nervous because it... Still today, it was the largest amount of people we've had in one service. But God showed up because he said he will. And what he says, he does, and he carries through every time, even if it doesn't make sense. So today, I'm trusting that God is going to work through the message today. And he's going to, Lord willing, challenge us. And there may be a point in the message today that you might get offended. And I just want to say, you know what, as a believer of Jesus Christ, we never, ever should be offended. Ever. You want to know why? Because Jesus was never offended. And if we're supposed to be conformed into Christ's image, then we are not to be offended. But you know what I, meant? I am okay with? If you're offended by the Word of God, and it grows you closer to Jesus, I'm perfectly all right with that. So if you're offended because of what the Word says, amen. Because we can point us back to Jesus and get us on the line of what He's saying. So again, I love you. And I'm excited to see how God speaks through the, the message today. And hearing Jake Grass, who's a part of North Star Church, just hearing how excited he was after visiting last week and where God's moving this body, where he's moving North Star body, and where he's moving many bodies closer to Jesus, and not only closer to Jesus, to making disciples of Jesus. So that's what we're going to speak of today. We're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. And I just want to start out before we pray and get into the Word. All of what we're covering today, I'm not going to mention much about being in God's Word, because I'm, I'm focusing on another side of this, but everything we speak about today, I'm going to see what word you We can't grow in our relationship, our love relationship with Jesus Christ, unless we're in the Word of God. Unless we're in the Word of God, we won't know more about who Jesus is, how He walked, how He lived. So knowing this, even though I may not speak it in the message today, that is the primary, how we get to know Christ, is to be in His Word. To ask Him to show us, to reveal Himself to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So with that in mind, the message today, we're going to be in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I'm just going to ask that you join me in prayer before we get started. Heavenly Father, we come before you today grateful and expectant that you're going to move. As has been prayed, as has been sing, as we worshiped you, Lord, we're asking you to do your work. 
to speak your word, to speak your truth. But I ask by the power of the Holy Spirit that you will speak through my lips to make it clear. And that even if it doesn't come out clear, Lord, I pray for everyone here that you work in the ears of those that are receiving your word. That you speak directly to the heart. That it moves from the mind to the heart. And then when we walk out of here, we can walk out your word and what you're speaking to us. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again to give us the opportunity to be in communion with you. To have the Holy Spirit to indwell inside of us, the giver of truth. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for this passage today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So was it name tank Sunday, name tank Sunday like every Sunday or is this... It's just because we got a new guy here? Okay, because i got to look, because I see a lot of people with Austin. Where's your name tag? Man, I'm so glad Austin showed up today, because I haven't been able to give that guy a hard time for quite a while. But we can see a little bit sometimes, and I'm not saying this is you if you don't have a name tag, so I'm not pointing out that, but sometimes we look and I'm like, ah, I'm not doing that. You want me to put a name tag on? Mm-mm. But I, I just like to survey a little bit. Sometimes we know we get in here and we're running in maybe a little late or a little early and going around, but I don't know, I had to say something on name tags because I actually like it because I remember faces. God's given me a very good ability for faces, and when I worked for John, he remembered names. So I'd always ask him, I saw this guy, and I'd start explaining where, who he works for, where he was, where I was, and he'd be like, oh, this person. Nope, nope, not that guy. The next guy, that one, yeah. So he named more people that could have been there or should have been there some people are gifted, like John, to be able to remember names. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I can remember them, and I'm continuing to work. But I remember faces, so I'm thankful for name tags. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Amen. And I forgot to mention the introduction there. Those of you that were at camp last year when I was speaking, you know that I get loud sometimes. So I just want to warn you ahead of time. If I get passionate, I get louder, but I'm not yelling at you. Okay, I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm not trying to point anybody out. But I might get excited. So please hear me that I'm not yelling at you. I'm just excited about God's Word and what He's doing. So I kind of grew up when, when people got loud, I, w- I would be like, oh, why, why are you yelling at me? What did I do wrong? No, no. It's just because I'm passionate about God's Word. So when I get loud, it means I'm joyfully proclaiming. And I, this topic is very near and dear to my heart because if we are in unity, it means we are on mission together. And if we're on mission together, there is nothing that can divide us. Nothing, no one. Right? But sometimes we, we 
kind of miss what, what is the mission. Because there's so much in God's word that maybe we're all doing things that are biblical. And, and as I've been sharing with our body, sometimes we take the word of God and we just run with it. And we start praying and asking God, bless me along the path. Bless, bless me, bless me. And we get out in front of God. And we didn't ask God where we're supposed to go. We're running ahead of him and asking him to catch up and follow me because I got a good plan. Ever done that? I've done. I know hands. Come on. Nobody? Just me? We got one other, two others. Thank you. So I'm glad I'm not alone. So the important thing is to ask God, what do you want to do here? And how do you want me to follow you? Because if I'm following you and you're calling me to something, you will bless the path, even though it may not be easy. Whatever you call me to, the only person and thing that can stop a calling of Christ in your life is yourself. You look at the Word of God and the, the whole testimony of Paul, he was not stopped by anything or no one or the devil himself because when he was on mission, it's unstoppable because Christ will work through you. But we can make a choice. Are we going to be committed to the call or are we going to lay it down or let the surroundings drown us out? So we're going to break down this passage. We're kind of going to jump around a little bit and since I didn't write it out, I have some notes, so I have to do a little more flipping than I would if I could have just wrote it out ahead of time. So we'll have a little time in between each passage. But what is our calling? See, Paul's writing Ephesians, and the first three chapters it was around doctrine, it was around what God has done for us. And then he moves to chapter 4 and says, Therefore, therefore, because I've said all these things and I've shown you and I've spoken about all that God has done for you, all these things and who you are in Christ... Therefore, I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Worthy of the calling means you all have a calling, church, every one of you. So, well, what is that calling? I'm glad you asked. We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. I love the sound of Bible pages turning. That means not everybody's on their phone. Not that the phone is bad, okay? 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. For you have been called for this purpose. For this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his footsteps. So you've been called for this purpose. The purpose is to suffer. Are you all on board with that? Because when you said yes to Jesus Christ, it meant you're going to suffer. Not for suffering's sake, because we are conformed into Christ's image he suffered and laid out the plan of suffering. And he was always on mission, always on point, because Jesus said, I do nothing of that except that which the Father told me. Always on mission. And because of that, he had to suffer through many things, as we know. So we're called to suffer. And not just suffer, but just like Christ suffered, because he left us an example for us to follow in his footsteps. So if you study the life of Jesus 
And not only the words that Jesus spoke, but how he walked, how he talked, and how he lived, and how he made disciples, then you know how he suffered and how he was humble and how he humbled himself. Now, we may never get to the level where Jesus Christ had to die, had to be whipped. And I'm going to explain just a a little portion of that because sometimes we say Jesus died and rose again and we forget the little bit of suffering that he had those few days. He was whipped. And we think sometimes a whip, like Indiana Jones, which is bad enough. But the whips they used in that day was like a, a multifaceted whipping tool with shards of glass and metal woven in it. And when they whipped Jesus, it wrapped around the body and it would tear chunks of flesh out. They would start on the torso, they go to the back, they do the legs and a lot of times the face. So he would have been mangled and, and bloody and chunks of flesh missing, most likely not even recognizable. Like we don't know, I can't explain certain because I wasn't there, but when you look at the Romans and how they beat people, Jesus was broken in the flesh. He didn't break bones because the Bible said that's not going to happen, but he ripped flesh out of his body. And he said, it's worth it. And church, it's worth it. If you're suffering now, it is worth it because we have a hope, a higher calling. And it's worth it to suffer. See, Romans eight twenty nine. and I'll just read it. Romans eight twenty nine is for... Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. So we're called to suffer, suffer like Christ. Why? Because we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. From this day forward, from the day you decide to say yes to Jesus, Our entire life mission is to be conformed in the image of Christ daily, every day, a little more, a little more, a little more. That word sanctification that maybe sometimes we don't like to to use because it hurts sometimes to be sanctified and to grow more like Jesus. But we're called to be conformed in his image. And when we're called to be conformed in his image, we're going to look more like him. We're going to talk more like him. And we're going to certainly be on mission like Jesus. Luke 14 Verses 25 through 26 says this. That's Luke 14. through 36. Now large crowds were going along with him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish All who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace 
so that none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his possessions. All his possessions. Brothers and sisters, we need to count the cost of following Jesus, of being a disciple maker. We talked about this morning, sometimes it requires our time when we're poured out and we're, we're tired. And Jesus said, I want you to go talk to that person because he needs some prayer or she needs some prayer or they need some help. It's time that we count the cost in every area of our life and recognize that we own nothing. That if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, it costs us everything. It costs me all my money because it's not really my money, it's his money. He's, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything's his. I said, well, well, my money's his. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll release that. What about your house? Your property? Yeah, that's his too. That's his. What about your cars, your trucks, your boats, your four-wheelers, your phone? That's his too. Got to give that up. Trust that he has a plan for those things. What about your spouse? That's the Lord's too. What about your children? Yeah, but, but no, your children are his also. So everything we have in our life, when we have in the right perspective, it's all his anyways. God, how do you want me to walk in these things? How do you want me to give generously? How do you want me to spend my money? How do you want me to spend my time, my talents? Because it ought to be all directed through him. Not that any of those things are bad, because they're not. But if any one of those things take the place of where God should, then it becomes an idol. And then we're actually worshiping the thing instead of the maker of the thing, Jesus Christ. Right? Right, proper perspective. God, what do you want to do here? I've been in a place where I had so much stuff that it actually bothered me when I was going to work, working many hours, and I'd see it as I drive by that snowmobile sitting there. I haven't rolled that in a while. Then the, then the camper, and then the boat. And I was actually getting angry, right? Because I was been blessed with these things and these fun things, but I didn't have the time to use it, at least I thought. It wasn't that the things were bad, but my heart was wrong. And it became about the things instead of Jesus. And then for me, in that season of life, I'm, I thank God I'm past that. He told me, Jake, sell it all. Sell it all. Everything. Because my heart wasn't in it. And believe it or not, all those things sold within a week, week and a half. And it was summer. And someone drove from Wisconsin to buy the snowmobile in the middle of summer. Like, that's not me. That's God. And he readjusted my perspective. And when he did, he's bringing other things back into my life. So those things are still there and I'm present. I have a side by side. The Lord bless me. I can use that. But it's no longer my idol. It's I use it as he directs me to use it. So we have to count the cost. And we talked about upstairs, like, why do, why do some people leave church bodies? Well, there's some, there's some good reasons. And I like the best reason of all is to be sent somewhere. So we're not leaving something. We're being sent to a calling wherever God's sending us. But if we're leaving for other reasons besides Jesus is calling us, well, you know, we can get hurt, which is understandable. But if he's not calling it, we're actually out of his word. Is it an offense? Is it because you can list off the things? We don't have to speak to the negative things. But we're going to speak, is it a Jesus thing? And oftentimes we can come to a Sunday morning. What is this day about? 
worshiping our king and we worship in the word. We worship in music and we worship in prayer. That's what this day is about. Coming together as believers to worship our king. And when that is the primary focus, I don't have an opportunity to, to, to care about my preference, whether that song was the one I wanted to sing or whether the scripture that we're reading was what I wanted. It's God, what do you want? And let me align with your will, because when we're unified, we're together and we're on mission. So verse 2 in Ephesians 4 says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. That sounds easy, right? Showing tolerance. He knows it's not going to be easy. He knows there's going to be disagreements. And we can go through this entire book cover to cover, and I bet every one of us is going to disagree on something in here. Right? But it, it, it ought to be the minor things not the major things. Jesus Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins. We better all agree on that, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way to the Father. Now, that's something we we can't disagree on. There's many other things that we can make the main thing that isn't the main thing. Jesus is the main thing. What is he calling us to? What did he do for us, and what is he calling us into? We're going to get there in this passage. John 13, 1 through 17, and Luke 22 are both examples of Jesus in the Last Supper. And I'm not going to read through it all just for time's sake. But you can go there. You can write down and go back. Jesus, it was the Passover day. So we're celebrating the Passover meal. And this is days before Jesus was going to be crucified. And this is the first time he introduces the Lord's Supper communion and said, this is my flesh, which they didn't really understand yet, even though he's told them, this is my flesh that's going to be broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the cup that represents the blood that spilled out that, guys, I'm going to die and I'm going to raise again so that you may have new life, that you may come alive, that you may from that day forward walk in eternal life. Say, church, when, when we have eternal life, it isn't something out in the future. When you make that choice to trust and follow Jesus, you have eternal life. And you're walking in eternal life today because our soul is sealed by the Spirit. Eternal life. Freedom we get. So Jesus did a lot of things in this, this, this time around the table. So remember, this table was a lower table. It's not like we have today where we get to sit in a chair and our feet go under and nobody gets to look at our feet. Remember, these disciples wore sandals, just a flat-bottomed sole with maybe some laces over it. They walked through town and streets, through mud, through yuck, through animal feces, and who knows what else they're walking through because they didn't have people just following these animals around in town. They walked through some nasty stuff in life, and their feet were dirty. And Jesus gets done with the, with the communion element, and then all of a sudden the disciples are like, or, oh, excuse me, Jesus called them out and said, there's somebody here that takes this bread that's going to deceive me, that's going to go against me. We know today it's Judas. And they're all asking, well, is it me, Lord? Is it me? It's not I. It's not I. It's not I. Okay, Jesus points out who it was. It's Judas. 
And then it says they moved on to say, no, well, which one of us is the greatest? Like, first it was, who's going to deceive me? Who's, who's going to deceive Jesus? And then it quickly shifted to, well, well then, who's going to be the greatest? And they're having this discussion right after Jesus said, I'm going to die. And then there's someone here that's going to deceive me. And then it moves to, what about me? How great am I going to be? Am I going to be the greatest? Self-focus. And Jesus says, boys, he probably didn't say boys, but I like to use that language sometimes. Boys, let's get together. I'm going to show you something. And then he washed their feet. Now, last week at North Star, we actually put four chairs up front and asked for volunteers. Didn't tell them what was coming ahead of time. And we read that passage, John 13, and they had to receive having their feet washed. So picture the disciples sitting here following their master. They're laying down. Sometimes maybe their feet are sideways. Maybe they're behind him. Could quite possibly be smelling. And they're looking around. And it's like, you know, someone's supposed to be washing feet. I'm all right washing Jesus' feet, but I don't want to wash yours, Peter. Mm-mm. I don't want to wash yours either. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So nobody washed their feet. And Jesus said, oh, that's a great opportunity. I'm going to show you something. Because to follow me, you need to be lowly. You need to be humble. You need to have humility and gentleness. You need to have patience. You need to show tolerance for one another. Jesus showed the greatest tolerance by loving Judas when he knew what he was going to do. I don't know if anybody in here has had their feet washed before, but it's kind of awkward. And even more awkward, like for these disciples, is to have their master wash their feet. And Peter says, not I, Lord. Do not wash my feet. He says, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, You don't have life in me. And then he goes to the other extreme, says, wash everything, head, everything, wash everything. He says, Peter, you you don't need it all washed, because if I wash your feet, you're washed clean, you're cleansed clean. It was the foreshadow. Jesus is the only way. He was going to die and be resurrected and rose again to to life, bringing forgiveness to sin, washing us clean. He says, that's the only way. Peter, you can't add things to it. You can't add rules It's not Jesus and something. It's Jesus alone. Grace alone. Faith alone. And he showed them, boys, this is important. Remember this. And one thing I picked up in that passage that I missed before was Jesus lowered himself. And we think sometimes he lowered himself as a man. But he had already done that because he surrendered himself up in heaven. The God had the three in one. And he became a baby and had to relearn how to talk, how to walk, how to live. As a human. So he was already there. But what he did in this picture of washing feet was bringing his disciples up to Jesus. See, Jesus came down in humility and said, this is how we ought to act, church. Humble. To serve one another. No matter what it is. And he leveled them up to Jesus' level. That's powerful. That is humbleness. Walked out. Not just spoken. See, Jesus didn't just speak. He walked out everything he spoke. He walked it and showed it. So this is how it's done. I'm going to speak to it and I'm going to show it. And he did it perfectly and showed us perfect love. So in verse 3, verse 3, Ephesians 4, 3 says, Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. See, Jesus already granted unity. 
He said, I grant it. It's yours. It's there. You operate in it. But what he's asking us to do in some versions say maintain the unity. So that's our job is to preserve and to maintain it no matter what. Now I'm going to say a word here and I'm not trying to stir hearts. But remember back during that COVID thing? Like there was a lot of nasty stuff that happened. But remember the division that's happened? Maybe this church body, maybe others, but across the globe? Well, you know, it hurts. I can look back and I can see in our church body and I can see in others. And I know some here and I know some others. It would hurt. People said things they didn't mean. People said some hurtful things. But you know what happened? The, the, the root of it was is we weren't maintaining the unity. And maybe it's because we didn't know what to be unified under. We say unified under Jesus, but under what mission? The mission is the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And like it is to love your neighbor as yourself. And then, before Jesus leaves, he said, he gave him the great commission. The co-mission that we're supposed to be co-laborers in. And he said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Or, like I like to, to rephrase it, as you are going in life, make disciples of Jesus, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. And the part that we need to grab onto is, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end. See, that is the mission for the church body. Every one of us is in that. Yeah, but Jake, Jake, I'm not an evangelist. How am I supposed to be a disciple maker? Well, the same thing that Paul told Timothy. He says, Timothy, I know you're not an evangelist. Didn't say that in Scripture, but it says, Do the work of an evangelist because we're all called to it. We're all called to make disciples. Of Jesus Christ, the lost and in the church. It's a combo unit. That's our heart. That should be what we're unified under. When we're unified under the great commandment and great commission, we're unified under the call that Jesus has put over every one of us in the church. Sometimes that can cause a little friction. What do you mean you want me to make disciples? What what does that mean? Well, I'm going to share a few definitions I I took from discipleship.org. I haven't looked at everything there, but on the about page, there is a list of affirmations. And under one of the affirmations is definitions. So I'm just going to read this first one. And definitions matter, right? Because we can see that some terms in today's world have been hijacked and what it used to mean and what it means today does not match. I'm going to read a definition here. Discipleship. It is simply the state of being a disciple. That's it. But what has happened to that word today is this word, unfortunately, in North America and in our church here today in this country, Discipleship is typically seen as an educational process designed to orient new believers to the biblical and everyday practices of our church. And so we often, now I'd like to use the word disciple maker because it's more intentional. Now teaching each other is part of the role of disciple making, but sometimes, somehow, we as America have made it the thing and we figure we checked all the boxes because we're teaching each other but not actually going out 
and making disciples. We are teaching here, and then we've got to connect it to here so that we walk out what God is teaching us. So here's the definition of disciple. Someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. In reference to Matthew 4.19. Disciple making is entering into relationships to intentionally help people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and join the mission of Jesus. That's the Great Commission, Matthew 28.18-20. So being a disciple maker, the definition is a disciple of Jesus who enters into relationships with people to intentionally help them follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and be committed to join the mission of Jesus. That's our role. And we all have a different part to play in that role. Some of us are gifted teachers. Some of us are gifted servants. But every one of us is called to build a relationship for the purpose of sharing the hope that's within us. At his timing, not ours. We can't force the word and force someone to become a disciple of Jesus. But we're called to say, God, what do you want me to do? How have you designed me? And how do I portray Jesus to those around me? Well, we love and we enter into relationships. And when the time is right, we say, Lord, how do you want me to bring it up? Or if you want me to bring it up, or maybe they'll bring it up and we join in what you're already doing. So it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about what God is doing and following his mission, following the Holy Spirit in that call. So what about the definition for church? Like, I'm not putting this on you or anybody here or anybody anywhere. I'm trying to change my, what I use for definitions. I no longer invite someone to come to church because we are the church. The people are the church. Wherever we go, church follows us, right? So I, whatever verbiage you want to use, I say, why don't you come worship with us? We're coming to gather. We're coming to fellowship. We're coming to a meeting. Whatever words could help get the church name off a building. We are blessed because we're in Minnesota. It would be awfully cold to sit outside. And praise God we don't have to do that. But we are the church. And helping those outside of the church to recognize wherever we are, Jesus is. Wherever Jesus is, that's where the church is. But we are blessed to be able to come together and worship our King. And that's what we come together week by week. To charge each other towards the mission, the Great Commandment and Great Commission. To make disciples of Jesus. What about the word Christian? If you, if you survey the United States, I mean, the majority of people in the United States say they're a Christian. And I just heard this last week. A, a student asked another teacher that I know, and says, does going to church and to youth group make me a Christian? That's, and they, they're, the talk, as they're talking, says, well, does making you stand in the garage make you a car? No. So then we get to explain what is a Christian? What is a disciple, a follower of Jesus, who is being changed by Jesus and is on mission with Jesus? It's being transformed daily in, into the image of Jesus Christ. It's trusting in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. A lot of times we want to drop that Lord word off because it's easier for me to be my Savior than my Lord, that I have to follow Him. I, I grew up in aviation for a handful of years and many times say, God is my co-pilot. Whoa. Co-pilot? That's how we operate sometimes, right? Come along with me. Oh, God is all. He's everything. And we follow him. 
And we pray and ask by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, where are you working? Give me eyes and ears to see and hear you working around me. So I just follow where you're already working, and I come along with your mission and your calling by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? Are you in it? Are you there? So what does that mean? What does it mean to be a disciple? How does that look for me, for you, for each one of us? You know, I challenge our congregation in this. I'm going to challenge us. If you are not being discipled or discipling someone else, you're being disobedient to God's word. Plain and simple. Okay? If you're not being discipled by somebody or discipling someone, you're being disobedient to the call. Because he says all. He, he, the Great Commission is for everyone in the church body. To either be discipled, so you can learn how to disciple, because we don't want to make disciples of ourselves, right? We want to make a disciple of Jesus Christ. Or discipling someone. Say, well, I've only been a believer for six months. Great! You have six months' time walking and being changed by Jesus, being on mission with Jesus, to share that hope and Jesus with someone else. So let's come along together. Simply making disciples is first entering a relationship with somebody, both believer and unbeliever. We are not only to be in this church, and we talked about upstairs and they've heard, we're supposed to be outward. This is where we come together to be built up, energized, and worship our King, and then take what we learn out into the world and show them, this is what Jesus looks like. This is what Jesus sounds like. This is what Jesus thinks is important. When we come together here, like Acts 2.42 says, we come to, to, the, to the apostles' teaching, which is the new, it's basically the gospel and the word, and to fellowship, and to breaking of bread, which is communion, and to prayer. That's what we're about when we come together, church. And when we do that, we're charged up and energized to go out and make disciples as we are going. Where you work, where you get groceries, where you get gas. Simply asking, God, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to do? And how do you want me to walk that out? So to be unified, we need to be on mission. Great commandment, minded. And because we love, we love others. And because we love others, we want to make disciples of Jesus. It's simple, really. It's not easy, but it's simple. And we need to ask the question, am I willing to count the cost? Am I willing to lose sleep sometimes because someone calls or someone needs help? Or sometimes I've heard from many in the body and those here too, I've woke up in the middle of the night and he said, pray for this person. And they spent hours. Jesus spent hours and hours praying and asking the Father, guide me, direct me, show me your path. We need to be filled. And as the word says, be filled by the Spirit, it means be being filled with the Holy Spirit. A continual process, continuing to seek him in his word and in prayer for the purpose of growing in your love relationship with Jesus Christ. Moving on to verses 4 through 6, Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We're called to oneness with Christ, oneness as a body. 
unified under his calling of following Christ's example of suffering and loving those around us, making disciples of Jesus that make disciples of Jesus. When we're on mission together, we are being conformed into Christ's image day by day, knowing that we will suffer for his sake to make disciples. We recognize that we are all unified when we're on mission together and we're following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and on mission with Jesus. We have one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God overall. First Corinthians six twelve says this Remember you were bought with a price. Each of us was bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your calling of following Jesus, being changed by Jesus. And being on mission with Jesus. Because it's a free gift. Romans 6.23 says, We all sin and fall short of the glory of God, but the free gift of God through Jesus Christ. But God sent Jesus as a free gift. And sometimes we, I have been guilty of receiving that free gift and think it's not going to cost me anything. I didn't have to pay for that gift. I didn't have to do anything for that gift. But once I received it, I am now learning and saying when I when I'm have the privilege of leading someone to Jesus, this isn't a game. This isn't a ticket to punch your card and go to heaven. This is a call to suffering like Jesus suffered. It's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult, but it's going to be worth it. Because when you're following Jesus, then you're being changed by Jesus. When you're being changed by Jesus, you are on mission with Jesus. And you will continue that process every opportunity you get. I was just listening to a sermon this morning talking about being entertained. Being entertained is okay, but when our entertainment outweighs our time spent glorifying and being in God's Word and with Him in relationship and prayer, we oftentimes can get bored and we fill it with entertainment. Entertainment isn't bad, right? When it's on His time and when He's leading, I love to have fun. That's John. I had a lot of fun at work and I got paid for it. I get to do the same thing now and get to have fun with people. But it's about making disciples of Jesus. It's about sharing the hope that's within me. It's about sharing the love of Christ that just overflows out of me. To say it is worth it. When someone falls down and say it's time to get up. It's time to get up. Let's go together. It's a co-mission for a reason. Together. I'm not out alone. Come on with us, church. We're going together as one team, one body, one Jesus, one hope, one calling. I'm going to close with Philippians Chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. Philippians chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. So that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ through my coming to you again. Paul speaking to the Philippian church. And he says, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. One spirit under the unity of Jesus Christ, his call, great commandment, great commission, walking that out, learning what that looks like, making the opportunity and praying and asking God if 
if I'm not leading someone right now and discipling somebody one-on-one, who is it? Because I know that's your call. I know it because your word says it. Who is that person and how often am I to meet? You know, we have enough time to do everything that God calls us to. Everything that he calls us to, we have time. God, straighten out my schedule. If it's busy, show me what needs to give. Or maybe like now, for me, this season, this next season I'm in is pouring out more than I ever have before with people. Lots of time, lots of hours. But he's sustaining me. And he tells me, hey, today you take a break. But tomorrow I'm going to have you go all day long. And then another day of break comes in and rest. But what is he calling you to? And I encourage you, church, just pray and ask, maybe, who is, who is it I should approach to be discipled? Or who is it that you're asking me to make a disciple that makes a disciple of Jesus? One spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your charge to love you with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. To love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, to make disciples of Jesus Christ, teaching them all that you've commanded us. And remembering that you're with us through it all. Lord, we pray for encouragement for everyone here. Lord, I ask that they are more encouraged walking out these doors than when they walked in. And that every Sunday forward, when they walk out, they're more encouraged. More and more encouraged. I pray that you work in and through this body and through your church to be encouragers of the gospel. To pray with one another. To encourage one another. To share the burdens and the praises. Lord, that we will do both. We will celebrate the wins with each other no matter how small or big. But also come alongside each other when we're hurting and in need of your help. God, help us in this call that you've put us all on to suffer for the sake of Christ, for your glory, for your purpose. Lord, make us more like you. Day in and day out, may we be transformed and conformed into the image of Christ for your glory, for your purpose, for your calling and the growth of your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.